Hello and welcome to Parallel, a tech podcast with accessibility sprinkles. I'm Shelley Brisbane, your host, and this is episode 89. Welcome back and happy new year to everybody out there. As uh, most of you have probably heard by now, it's CES week, but that's not what we're going to talk about. This is also the week that Apple made firm its plans for releasing the Vision Pro, the much-anticipated headset about which those of us who focus on accessibility have a whole bunch of questions. Apple will be shipping the Vision Pro beginning in early February and will be making demos available in Apple stores around the United States. It is U.S. only for the time being. And I've been wanting to talk about Vision Pro, at least for the past day, but I haven't actually had a chance to get together a podcast to talk about it. Uh, but very soon after the announcement, I actually got an email from my friend Stephen Scott, who hosts the Double Tap podcast and the uh, Double Tap uh, TV show for AMI up in Canada. And he wanted me to talk about Vision Pro with him on his show. And so I did that. I talked to Stephen this morning. And uh, instead of reinventing the wheel, I got permission from Stephen to bring you the conversation that he and Sean Priest and I had about the Vision Pro, uh, where I got to pontificate about my thoughts on it from a low vision point of view. I'm sure we'll have a lot more to say about it, especially if I have the opportunity to get a demo at some point. There will be a lot more to say. But for now, uh, this is my uh, first stab at giving you an accessibility perspective on Vision Pro, keeping in mind that we haven't seen it. There's a lot of detail about how it affects people with low vision, how it could potentially affect them in terms of the way their vision is corrected. What you'll hear at the very beginning is a transition from a previous segment that I needed to include in order for the BlackBerry joke to work. Here we go. Yeah. Michael Babcock, what a star, our turtle in a blind shell. I love him. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. That's great news, though, for blind shell users, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's great that this is finally getting out there, um, although it's still not in my BlackBerry yet. I'm just uh, putting it out there. Okay. Anyway, uh, we've got Shelley Brisbane with us. Hey, Shelley, good to have you here. Happy New Year. Hi, Stephen. I, I found this event in my BlackBerry, and now here I am to talk to you. Oh, is it in the BlackBerry great? I think let's yeah, bring it back. awesome. I love all those, all those little keyboard buttons are awesome. Hey, listen, I don't know if you've been following this story, but I, I get a lot of messages on social from people saying, hey, you're going to buy this new Clicks keyboard that's on display at CES this year. Have you heard about this one? The, the, I have. I've heard about it. Not going to buy it. Haven't dug into it. I, I've seen a lot of people feel like they need to have strong opinions on it. And I confess, <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> it seems odd, but I, I, I more power to those who are interested in it. I like the idea. I think the problem yeah. for me is it makes the phone so big. I mean, they're bringing one out, Sean, was, you were saying for the iPhone 15 Pro Max. That's right. Currently, it's for the 15 Pro, or at least the Pros. Uh, but the one they're bringing out in spring for the 15 Pro Max adds, oh, it's just a ridiculous size once you well, add it Well, it's a phone case, 15. right? It's a phone case, but with the addition of maybe an extra couple of inches at the bottom, which contains the keyboard, very much BlackBerry-style QWERTY keyboard. So physical tactile buttons. But then... Well, could I just have an iPad mini with a phone in it? I mean, at that point... Yeah, exactly. It's just too big. <laughs> How are you going to carry that about? I, I feel like I'm missing out. I never had a BlackBerry. And I, I, I hate those smaller QWERTY keyboards. I had a couple of Nokias back in the day with a tiny QWERTY keyboard, the E77 or something like that, E70. Um, but oh, yeah. they, were, they were just no good. Honestly, you can't touch type on them or anything. So I, what was it about the BlackBerry that made it amazing and made the, this click thing uh, so popular, apparently? There's a lot of interest in it. 
I, well, I like the BlackBerry. Were you a BlackBerry user? I, I did not have one. And the funny thing about that is I have very small hands and small fingers. And so in theory, I would have been a good candidate for one. But I did. I never had one. No. And I in those days, I wasn't super, I wasn't like running around in the Capitol in Washington, D.C. or where, <laughs> where all the important lobbyists had them and were, you know, I didn't need to type I didn't know I needed to type text messages to people. And that's the only <laughs> reason I probably would have had one. So. I, I have to say, not only did I run around Washington, D.C. pretending to be a lobbyist, I also uh, had a belt holster for mine. Oh, <laughs> shame. Such a nerd, Stephen. Such <laughs> a nerd. I also had a pen that was in my top uh, shirt pocket as well. That was the mark of someone who worked in IT. And oh, wearing a, a Bluetooth headset the size of a book. <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and USB keys on a lanyard. That was a really important <laughs> thing in those days as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, signal, that signaled you out in many, many ways. Anyway, let's talk about Apple Vision Pro. This is certainly going to single you out. Speaking of new technology. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I have a view on this Vision Pro, which is that for blind people... I don't think there's a lot in it for us on day one. I'm not saying it won't ever have anything in it for us because, of course, we know it's going to have accessibility features in it. We know about this already. But in terms of apps, in terms of features, in terms of what it can do, what is the value for a blind person? I don't think there's much. However, and this is why I wanted you on today, I want to get your take on this as from a low vision perspective because I would say that off the bat from day one, there's way more that the Vision Pro might offer someone like you. I think we're going to find out how many different kinds of low vision there are even more to a greater extent than we already know that because there are going to be so many different experiences. Some people are going to fall right into it and love it and they're going to use Zoom or Contrast or whatever existing accessibility features Apple provides and they're going to be happy. And there are other people, maybe people who have eyeglasses prescriptions, who are going to get some benefit out of it as well, because the lens will have those eyeglasses prescriptions available to them. And then there are other people who, for whatever reason, either because they don't have corrected, correctable vision, or because their low vision is just, you know, inconsistent in some way, are going to have some challenges using it. And I think there's a huge amount of unknowns for all of those. That's why I have to divide them in that many categories, because I feel like for for some people, it's really going to work. And for other people, it's going to be a challenge of finding out what is the thing that I can do that I can do better with this thing than I can with a computer. And a lot of the entertainment stuff is kind of obvious. I mean, watching a high resolution movie or some other video content right in your eyeballs, that sounds great from a low vision point of view. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about using a computer and manipulating things with your hands, not to, not to say your eyes, because you can turn off the eye gaze part, uh, I don't know what that's going to be like for low vision people. And I think a lot of us are going to just have to demo it or listen to other people before we understand it completely. I think that's a great point that the, the low vision, I'm using that as a catch all myself. I need to pick myself up on that because I'm saying, yeah, I can see low vision people having a use for this, but there is so many different, it's such a spectrum when it comes to low vision. I was, I lost my peripheral vision first, but there's people out there that lose their central vision first. So you can't just say, yes, if you're low vision, you could use these for something, no matter if yeah. you don't know what that use case is yet. And there are people with macular degeneration who need a really bright screen surface. And there are other people like me who need it to be super dark. How much control do I have of that? Presumably there will be contrast and brightness settings, but how flexible will they be? And again, how appropriate will they be to whatever app 
I want to use. I think it's going to be very dependent on the way you're using this thing. So we won't be able to say, oh, the Vision Pro completely works for me or doesn't work for me. It's going to be based on, am I trying to do work? Am I trying to manipulate things in a game? Am I trying to just watch TV? I mean, I'm really excited about watching video content because I suspect that's going to be the easiest thing for most people with low vision to Mm. do. Yeah. It's interesting because I was reading, of course, the news that Zeiss will be um, the the people in charge of making the prescription lenses. They're they're bringing out two versions, I believe. So there's reading glasses types, I guess, lenses, and then there's the prescription ones. Uh, Prices were actually a lot lower than I think we were expecting. I mean, I, I, I remember saying to someone at the time, these lenses are going to cost a fortune, but we're talking $100 for the readers and for prescription, $150, which, you know, once you're, you know, talking on top of three and a half thousand dollars, it seems like a, a giveaway, right? It seems like a deal. Yeah. Effect. yeah. I, I think keep in mind, though, that when they say readers, and I'm sure that the Zeiss lenses will be very good, but keep in mind that when they say readers, they're talking about the kind of reading glasses that folks with typical vision use where you can go to into a drugstore and buy what they call readers yeah. that will correct uh, old age related vision changes. So somebody with low vision is almost certainly going to have to have a prescription lens. And will they be able to get the kinds of I mean, I have what what people used to call Coke bottle readers. Mm-hmm. I just use them as readers, but they're very thick uh, lenses that, you know, stick out from my face. And I don't know how easy it's going to be to get a prescription for that, nor do I know whether because they're reading glasses, they're going to be appropriate for all uses of the Vision Pro. If I'm reading something like a desktop interface or a finder interface on a computer, that seems like that would make sense. But does am I still able to use it effectively when I'm watching video or am I way too close up? Or is there going to be, I mean, there's so many questions. And I think a lot of us are going to have to get demos and somebody out there is going to have to bite the bullet and actually buy one. Well, uh, and US only. So I think it's down to you, Shelley. I think you're yep. the one. That not, right. All right. I'll be back. I'm, I'm uh, starting to save my money right now. But, you know, on this on this point about prescription lenses, I saw a few people, Steve Saylor, for example, the blind gamer talking about trying to buy the prescription lenses for the Meta Ray-Bans and basically being told that he can't get them because they don't do the type of prescriptions for those or for his prescription. and. I think this is going to be a bigger problem going forward for these kind of devices. It's not something I've come up against before, but I have seen it on some of the ads. I don't know if you have this, but, you know, over here, uh, we have ads on TV for these companies that will sell you like a pair of glasses for for $10 or something, and they'll mail them out to you. You just send in your prescription and they'll mail the glasses to you. Um, but they do state that there are certain prescriptions that they would just will not be able to do. So right. I think there's a bit of a challenge there for us. I mean, again, with Apple being so focused on accessibility, you'd like to think they could maybe lean into Zeiss a bit more on that, but maybe there's a physical limitation to some degree. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that a lot of the reading glasses that I have had have been made of plastic, and I'm have, sure that has something to do with the weight of glass. And so I don't know, for example, once you switch materials and once you have a thicker lens, whether that's possible. And also, a lot of people have different prescriptions in different eyes, especially for reading. So you might have a situation where it's like, you okay, you have to pick a prescription that's going to work for the whole face. I understand that there are the, the Vision Pro is separated into 
separate eyes, but can you get a prescription for individual sides of, of the face? I don't know. Mm. And yeah, I would, and I also would imagine that at launch it wouldn't be available, even if they were eventually able to do it. I can't imagine that that's on a first day launch. And I can't imagine there are going to be a lot of people that are going to know that. So you're going to walk in and you're going to go, hey, here's my $3,500 and I want to get my prescription lenses. And here's my special purpose, low vision, super duper reader uh, prescription that I use. Uh, can go ahead and fill that for me for $149. And the poor person at the store is going to say, uh, I don't know what that even means. <laughs> yes, that's right. I remember when I used to wear glasses, I used to, I think, the majority of the cost was on getting them ground down. So they weren't the Coke bottles <laughs> so yes, much. that's right. Because um, you could get your prescription, but I would spend extra money so they weren't quite protruding as far out of my face as they should. Right. And like I say, the materials depend too, because it's, I don't know that I've ever, I think maybe very, the very first reading glasses I had when I was a teenager might have been made of glass. But since then, they've been like little plastic lenses. And in fact, one of the problems I have is that because they're so thick, it's not that they're heavy, but they're so thick, they tend to pop out of these little glasses frames that I've chosen for myself. So uh, yeah, there are all sorts of potential uh, situations for that. And I, I don't know how many low vision folks would anticipate using, and I'm talking about reading lenses in terms of this sort of Coke bottle aesthetic. I, I don't know how many folks with low vision would, would be using that versus some other kind of prescription that they would have that's for long distance viewing. Uh, I, I Probably not. Probably the goal would be to get your reading glasses prescription in the Vision Pro. But the question would be with the accessibility features, with zoom, with contrast, with brightness adjustments, uh, with reverse video, could a person with low vision who has a reading glasses prescription effectively use the Vision Pro? Like I don't use my reading glasses to read my computer screen, but I've made the adjustments I need in order to see the screen the way I want to see it. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, there's so many ways we can look at this. And I think that for blind people and for low vision people, there are actually some very stark differences in the ways we will use this. I mean, obviously for Sean and I, it's going to be voiceover. How will voiceover work? And that might be the case for many low vision people as well. I'm also interested in this from a low vision perspective because I think about all these products that exist today. There are so many almost VR type headsets you can buy. I think about eSight or I think about there's one that's just kind of called Eyes, which is just a pair of glasses, a larger pair of glasses that have cameras in them. And these cameras then relay back to screens built in to the device. And they have lots of vision modes in them. So someone with certain eye condition would be able to see more clearly. Uh, Eastsight talks about, you know, using the, the parts of the vision that work, essentially, and then being able to put a, a camera onto that so that, or a screen onto that, so that then we can see better. Um, I wonder if down the line, Vision Pro could be a useful candidate for that. I mean, this is really, this is the future gazing stuff, right? Because we just don't know yet. That's such a super interesting idea. And I, I love that you mentioned eSight because uh, back when I was running around covering the CSUN conference in California, and I would go and look at all the devices that were available, I tried CSight, eSight, I tried, there are various uh, devices that are basically based on a Samsung tablet that put cameras on your, it's put a headset on your face, uh, either for watching video content or for even for walking around the exhibit show floor and everything is magnified via camera. Mm. I could not use eSight. I did not, it didn't work for my vision. I could use those Samsung headsets, although they were very, very heavy. And I know different devices I've tried work differently for me. And I think that's the experience that 
in the mo- in, in the current world that we have. And so, yeah, does Vision Pro have the potential to sort of smooth that down or to customize our experience based on the way our vision works? Maybe so. Maybe eSight creates a Vision Pro app or creates a Vision Pro experience. Uh, or maybe one of the companies that's now using Samsung headsets uh, will, will do something like that. Or maybe there'll be app developers who will come up with uh, limited accessibility uh, based apps. I say limited only in the sense that it's trying to do a very specific thing instead of making the whole Vision Pro experience accessible. It's saying, okay, here's how I'm going to make it easier for you to use the computing aspects of it, or here's how I'm going to make it easier for you to watch video, or at some point, long time in the future when we can actually walk around with this thing, here's how we can navigate with you know an Iris sort of a thing, or an Envision AI, or a Be My AI, or any mm-hmm. of those applications. And that's the, the te- this kind of technology is where that has to start, to be honest. I think it's great. I think that's a great point, though. The, the, that's the first thing I think of when it comes to the assistive potential of this is something like eSight, you know, being able to walk around uh, and navigate with the contrast turned up on the world. So I can see the, the, the edge of the sidewalk or that pole that's right in front of me would be massive. But as you pointed out, the, the, the big thing with the Vision Pro is this isn't designed for outside use. I mean, I'm not saying you can't use it outside, but... Well, this not this is... edition, no. I mean, down the line, it will be. They're, they're yeah, going to make this smaller, right? It's not going right, to stay this I think, size. I think it starts here, and I think it'll be a few years. And I do think the potential, if there's a... If, frankly, if the price goes down, and frankly, if there are more iterations of it that folks can afford or justify to the rehab agency or whatever, then there becomes a market and an opportunity for people in the assistive technology world to create specialized experiences. I'm not saying apps, because I don't know whether apps is the right thing to say, or whether it's some sort of uh, hardware addition to the Vision Pro or some sort of customized Vision Pro. I don't know what it is. I think it's but, apps. I think yeah, it's apps. Well, it starts with apps. That's the easiest thing. Uh, and I absolutely think there would be accessibility based focused apps. I mean, if Be My AI isn't there, that's malpractice. They really, really need to be there. Uh, Envision AI, all those things. Hello, I'm calling you out, uh, folks. Be My be my Eyes, I'm calling you out, apparently. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, apps are the easiest way to take what exists now, those many cameras and the intelligence and the AI smarts behind them and turn them into uh, something that functions as assistive technology. I think the bigger question is going to be, Outside of assistive technology, can we get enough benefit out of it that assuming that we have the $3,500 plus all the other little bits, uh, is it going to be something that somebody's going to want to buy and, and get enough benefit out of? And is it something that over time is going to be upgradable in the way that iOS makes the iPhone upgradable and better over time, even if you don't buy a new one every year? I want to ask you just very quickly, because I don't know if you know the answer to this, but and I feel I've heard this somewhere, but it's one area of low vision we don't talk about very often, and that's for those people who have monoscopic vision, so, so one eye essentially. And this not being touted as a virtual reality device, which I think we all heaved a sigh of relief at, um, might make it possible to some degree to be usable by someone who has only one eye. I'd love that. I love the idea that you could just in settings say, put everything in the right side so that for that person, it's not a big empty space. They're just using the vision that the way they, the way they typically use it. And they're seeing the whole vision pro experience as best they can. And I hadn't really thought about that. And I don't know enough about that in detail, but 
we already know that a lot of people with low vision have different visual acuities in each eye in many cases. Mm, and yeah. so it would be the, the, the sort of most straightforward thing to do would be to say, well, can we limit access to, can we make it so that a person with one usable eye uh, can use all of the Vision Pro? But the next thing would be, is it possible either through prescriptions or through some settings within the Vision, prescriptions for glasses or, or settings within the Vision Pro, is it possible to customize for a variety of visual acuity? Like, and, and I don't know, I'm just sort of spitballing here. I, I don't know how that would work exactly, but it feels like if Apple has designed it so that your experience is you're seeing if you have if you if both of your eyes are functional and your experience is you're seeing it as one screen, but it's actually two. It's actually two cameras, two sets of cameras, two sets of screens, then it seems like there's all sorts of opportunities to customize the individual eye experience. Yeah, I agree. I think that we we're all excited by the the technology here, but we're still sort of struggling to see the use case. I mean, other than watching media on it, what what is this going to be used for? What other things, gaming and media? I don't know what else we can... Use I think for. gaming will be super interesting because as much uh, has been done in accessibility uh, for gaming, I have not personally had somebody who wants to be able to use what vision I have to do gaming. I personally have not found gaming experiences that work for me. And in theory, this could be one of those. If again, if the apps are designed in such a way that that I can use them out either out of the box or some apps that are specially tuned for people with low vision, I don't know what exactly that would look like. As far as what else we could use it for, I yeah, I am I am most skeptical, I guess, of the sort of more generic uses of it as a computer, uh, both because, well, it's a very expensive computer and we all have laptops and even phones that we use reasonably comfortably right now. Mm -hmm. So what, is that something you'd even want to do? And then also, um, I feel like there's, there, there's several ways that you're going to have, you're going to interact with this. You're either going to use touch, touch gestures, or if you can, you're going to use eye gaze. And the interesting thing is I wonder to what extent you're going to kind of have to make a choice like, okay, I have some vision. Can I use eye gaze features at all to move things around on screen, for example, like you do in the finder on a Mac or because my vision is the way it is, am I going to use voiceover exclusively or touch gestures combined with voiceover and not use eye gaze? And the, the unknown aspects of that, how we're going to be able to uh, combine accessibility tools and whether we are makes it hard for me to think about what ways we're going to use it. For example, I've seen some really interesting demos that aren't really games, but they're basically experiences where they're having you move, physically move things. And so they have people look at something and they move a ball over from here to there. And that's kind of fun, but what's the practical application and how does that work if your vision kind of sort of works, but not as well as most folks' vision does. Yeah, I mean, I cannot imagine what it would be like trying to do this with nystagmus. My eyes are all over the place at the best of times, and you know, any flash of light, and my eyes are, you know, pinging off the sides oh, of yeah. my head. Same. So, you know, it, 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 that little pointer is going to be like, whoa, 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 hang on, wait, 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 wait what are you looking at? I wouldn't have a clue what's going on. So, yeah, for me, right, it would you just be moved your window to a whole other place. You have no idea where it is. You just copied your entire hard drive to the trash. I was airdropped from all my photos to, you know, some, some, to Sean. Yes, and, to you know, Sean. 
hopefully, Deshaun. Although I don't know, actually, maybe not. But um, no, because he'll use them against me. But uh, no, I just I think there's there's a lot of potential. That, I, what I'm feeling is from what you're saying because I, I wasn't sure how you would feel about this. I was kind of intrigued to know is this something you would want to go out and buy? Would this be a Shelley Brisbane product? And I'm, I'm getting the sense you're going to sit this one out and maybe wait to see what version two brings up. My hope is to get an in-store demo because in the U.S. they are going to have these devices available in all Apple stores, apparently, mm. and demos are going to be available. They are presumably going to be hard to get. I have two Apple stores in my town, and so I'm going to try like heck to do it. And the other interesting thing is going to be, okay, you get a demo. Can you get the accessibility features demoed, or are they set up to just demo in the way that somebody with typical vision would use it. Obviously, I won't have uh, glasses inserts. I don't, for me, that's not a particular issue because, again, I don't feel like I'm the. I, I just don't feel like that's the way I'm going to be using it with a reading glasses insert. But uh, my goal is to get a demo, and I feel like uh, I mean I'm asked to be on programs like this enough that I'm going to have to be up to speed on it, whether I like it or not. <laughs> Well, especially so, as we can't get our hands on one. That's the it's problem. True. Right, right. And so somebody has to bite the bullet, and it apparently is me. Apparently, I've been nominated. So, You're nominated, uh, yeah. So Apple, you. if uh, if you want to help me and Stephen and Sean and all the Double Tap listeners out, uh, you'll uh, help me out. Well, listen, I, I'm going to try and see if I can help you with that, because seriously, okay. I think we should, we should, because we need to get this tested. This has to be tried. So yeah, let's let's uh, work together on that one. Uh, also, just while I've got you, iOS Access for All available for iOS 17 now, right? Absolutely. You can Yay. get iOS Access for All in all the formats and all the places uh, at iOSaccessbook.com or at the iBooks, Apple Books Store. I got in trouble for calling it the iBooks Store. Not like <laughs> it's not the iBooks Store. I know that. Anyway, yeah, the book's available, all the iOS 17 goodness uh, for your reading pleasure. So uh, go out and get one if you like. And are you going to uh, do iOS or not be voice? What is it called? Vision OS access oh, for all? Vision is OS. that going to be the next thing from you? Uh, <laughs> right after the Vision Pro arrives in my mailbox, we'll talk about that. <laughs> now, if there's not a reason to send one out to you, then I don't know what exactly. it is, honestly. Uh, you're still doing the Parallel Podcast as well. Still doing a lot of work on radio in Texas as well, right? You're keeping busy. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Parallel uh, has been on a bit of a break, but I think with Vision Pro coming along, another reason to uh, mm. wake, wake the show back up. Uh, and then, yeah, I st I'm still working at Texas Standard, where I do get to cover accessibility and disability stuff every now and again, which makes me very happy. We're about to host an event here in Austin, Texas, about the state of accessibility in Texas. So uh, I, I keep my hand in in a lot of different places. And I love that we get you on to talk about the low vision perspective, because I think that's a really important one that just frankly here on Double Tap, we just don't do enough of. And it's because Sean and I are just no longer in that category anymore. So it's kind of difficult yes. for us to talk about these things. But I think it's important because there are a lot of people out there who do have some usable vision left and, you know, they might want to know about how these products can benefit them. So, you know, it's, it's more than, than just about voiceover or, you know, speech output sometimes. I, I, I think that low vision, it, it always creates questions when new products come out because you, you know with an Apple product that there's going to be some accessibility and that if voiceover exists, it's probably going to work. But there's always an, a, question, a question for a person with low vision. Am I going to be able to see the watch? Am I mm -hmm. going to be able to see the Vision Pro? How are they going to implement it? And I also, with caveat that my low vision is my low vision and not yours, you know, I, I do my best to sort of say, here's what's, here's what's helpful to me and I hope it's uh, a little bit helpful to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do check out Shelley uh, online and, of course, uh, check out that iOS Access for All book as well. It is well worth getting. Parallel Podcast is a fantastic podcast. 
and you've got to check that out as well. Wherever you get your good podcasts and bad podcasts, it's like what you get ours as well. You get it in bad <laughs> podcast places as well. Uh, Shelley, as always, it's great to have you. Thank you so much for being with us. Good to be here. Thanks so much. Shelley Brisbane there and uh, that is it for us today Sean Uh, we are back tomorrow we're going to be talking tomorrow about the story of seeing AI its founder is going to be joining us Keepshake is here from Microsoft on Double Tap tomorrow plus more from CES all coming up keep your feedback coming feedback at doubletaponair.com don't forget the website as well for all the latest doubletaponair.com catch you tomorrow Sean thank you bye bye Well, that was a lot of fun. Thanks to Stephen and Sean for inviting me on the show and for letting me uh, republish that interview here on Parallel for You. Just a little peek behind the scenes. I did that at 7.30 in the morning because Stephen and Sean are in the UK and it's more convenient for them to do it on that schedule. Uh, Even though I wasn't fully awake, I think it went pretty well. You can always find information about this podcast at relay.fm slash parallel. I hope you'll consider subscribing to the show and also that you'll become a member of the Relay FM network. Those memberships help keep us going here on Parallel specifically and on the Relay FM network as a whole. Also, just a reminder that it's still possible to get Parallel t-shirts. And if you go to the website, you will find a link where you can buy yourself a shirt that says Accessibility Sprinkles. It's a really cool shirt. I like it a lot, and I've got a lot of great comments. So please uh, join the fun and get yourself an Accessibility Sprinkles t-shirt. And let me know if there's any other merch you'd like to see. I think we can do hats and phone cases and onesies and all sorts of crazy stuff. If you want that sort of thing, uh, just let me know, and I will do my best to make that happen. Also, if you have any feedback for us here at Parallel, whether it be about existing shows or about topics you'd like to hear me cover, you can use the feedback form right there at the relay.fm slash parallel page, or you can find me on social media, parallelpods at relayfm.social on Mastodon is the best way. I'm also Shelly at zeppelin.flights over on Mastodon. There are X slash Twitter accounts for the show and for me, but you're going to have to find those on your own. I'll be back soon with another episode of Parallel. In the meantime, keep refreshing that page until you can order your very own Apple Vision Pro. Bye now.